one thing we want to do this morning was honor the vets since tomorrow's Veteran Days, right? So if you're a vet, will you please stand up? And we want to thank you. Uh, stay standing. Don't sit down yet. Stand back up, vets. Now I want people around them to put your hand on them. And let's just pray uh, the blessing of the Father upon them. Just increase upon them. Father, thank you for these, these guys. We truly appreciate what they've done, their service, Lord. We ask you today, Lord, that you would pay them back. Lord, you pay back so much more than we could ever give. And so we're asking you, Father, for a great blessing upon their lives, their children, their grandchildren, Lord, their finances, their health. Lord, that you would restore them, uh, restore things that they've lost. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would do everything that the gospel does, that you would just re- you would focus it, Lord. You would like a laser beam focusing down on them of the gospel of love, the gospel of healing, and the gospel of wholeness, and the gospel of destiny. We pray that over them in Jesus' name. And we give you all the glory and honor, Lord, for this country, and that you put it in people's hearts to serve this nation in the military. And we thank you for those here today, and we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh, thank you for the vets, right? Your, your labor is not in vain, I don't think. I believe something good's going to come. So everybody's good. Amen. All right, so the last couple of weeks ago, the last time I spoke, I was talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is everything. Everybody say it's everything. everything. Because without the anointing, you are dry, Right? Uh, so I talked about there was, there's uh, two, uh, basically two anointings. There's the outer anointing. That's the anointing that comes on you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you should receive power. And that's the, uh, the anointing for doing ministry. And everybody has a calling to do ministry because everybody is a priest. Amen? Amen. So you are a potential candidate for that anointing. There's also the inner anointing, the anointing that's inside of you that we all carry, and that's what I really want to talk about this morning is the inner anointing. Um, so let me read this John, 1 John 2.27. I read this last time, but and, and just tell you, review a couple of things. It says, The anointing which you have received from Him, that's from Jesus, abides in you. Okay, so you have an anointing inside of you. Say that. Say, I have an anointing inside of me. Okay, you've not lost it. Okay, say I haven't lost it. Sometimes you feel like you do. Uh, And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as this same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Everybody say all things. So in other words, it's not just spiritual. It's about every area of your life that this anointing is in you to teach you about every part of your life. There's not a part of your life that it doesn't want to work in you and teach you. Okay, so if you're one of those... Christians who say, I don't need somebody to teach me because of this verse, then you don't dare go to an algebra class or, or a calculus class, right? I mean, because this anointing is actually, actually is here to help you with calculus, okay, if you're a student. I know a lot of people suffer with calculus, but, you know, and you need help, okay, if you're a student, okay? <laughs> so that's just the thing. It says all things, and this, is, this anointing is, is true, it's not a lie, and just... And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. That's good, isn't it? 
So your, your spirit, your spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit, is designed to govern your life. Okay? That's how God created us in the beginning, is that we would be governed, we would be controlled by our spirits, not our souls, not our flesh. Okay? Your spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit, together. That's what Paul teaches in Ephesians 3.19. How many people would love to have that working in their life? That's how the character of Christ... That's how the mind of Christ, that's how the nature of Christ is actually formed in your hearts. Okay, this is really vital. That's how that, that is, this, this, this anointing inside of you, as the Holy Spirit, this is right out of Ephesians 3.19, read it. Uh, this anointing inside begins to govern. That's what it means. It's, you'll be strengthened with power and might in your inner man. It means governed. Okay, to begin to govern the realm of your soul. And as you are governed by the, in the realm of your soul by, the, by your spirit along with the Holy Spirit's anointing upon your spirit, then the nature of Christ, the character of Christ, the mind of Christ will begin to be formed in your heart by faith. Amen? And you will begin to experience the love of God, the love of the Father like you never have. And that's really the design that God created us like in the original place in the garden. And that's where God's trying to get us back to it's back to how He originally created us to live that way. Isn't that awesome? Um, so apart from, from the anointing flowing, okay, this inner anointing, apart from it flowing in your soul, you will remain a carnal Christian. A lot of people wonder why they're not growing in Christ. It's, this anointing is not flowing in them. It's not working in their lives. Okay, that's how we grow up in Christ. That's how we grow in grace is the anointing is released inside of us. Now, Here's some points I made last time. I wrote them down just so I could remember them. Uh, the, the anointing within, within you is for healing, guidance, and protection. The picture of Psalm 23 when it says the shepherd anoints the sheep's head with oil. And they did that, a natural shepherd, and that, that part of it, they, they anointed these sheep because flies would just get down into the sheep's, the sheep's head and just bur- burrow down in there and just drive the sheep nuts. And so the shepherd would anoint their heads... It was all prophetic. It was all a picture. They would, the shepherd would anoint their heads. It would kill the flies. It would drive the, the flies would, would leave them alone. And that's really, you see, that's the lies. In the Bible, flies speak of, of lies, okay, of the enemy. And so that's how God begins to work in our lives. He begins to, and I'll show you just in a minute. I can take that further. But that, that's the healing and guidance and protection that this anointing brings. It teaches you what is from God and what is not from the Lord. That's how we know. That's how we know. It's the anointing inside of us is the thing that's going to tell us. It protects you from, from deception. If, you, if you're one of these people who are all worried about being deception, I can promise you today, quit being worried about being decept, deceived. You have an anointing inside of you that will take care of that for you. It will speak to you. All right, number two, the anointing within you teaches, teaches us concerning all things that pertain to life, spiritual and natural life. Okay, the more sensitive we become to the anointing, the more success you're going to have in life. Now, that sounds pretty good, right? Let me say that. The more sensitive you become to this anointing within you, the more success you're going to have in your life, no matter what you're doing. You're going to begin to make better decisions. Okay, you're going to make better decisions about your, your natural life, about your relationships, about your job, about everything. This is powerful. This is, this is the God has equipped us in this way. 
Are y'all excited about that? I am. The anointing, I need some help. Don't you need some help in your life? We've got the help inside of us to help us. Okay, the anointing within you is what supports the potential anointing that can rest on you. The potential anointing that can rest on you, that's the power of God coming on you to do ministry. So the, so here's the thing that, and I think I've probably said this numerous times, the thing that we have to begin as people to do is you can't get so caught up in the anointing that comes upon that you neglect this anointing inside of you. A lot of people who have powerful anointings, that's how they get off in life. They're not conscious of this in here. Okay? They're not conscious of this thing in here. This is the number one anointing. This is the ruling anointing in your life. Never should it, the outward anointing become the ruling anointing. And one of the reasons is, is when, when the anointing of the Spirit comes on a person when they're doing ministry, there's a lot of emotions that are attached to it. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of things that begin to happen in life. And you, it's easy for you to get caught up in it. Okay? I've, I've watched people over it get caught up in it. And what's happening is, they, even though the anointing's not lifting off them, they are drifting away from what they're supposed to be doing. That anointing that comes on is for service. It's not for you. It's not for your self-satisfaction. And the anointing within you will keep you grounded there. It'll keep you focused on what God's trying to do. Now, I, mean, I mean, really, we need to get it. We focus a lot about wanting to have an atmosphere. Okay? Atmosphere is everything. Right? We don't want a bad atmosphere in the church. But really to have an atmosphere, you need an atmosphere inside of you. Okay? And when people begin to learn how to have this atmosphere inside of you, when a corporate people come together, they can release this atmosphere in them out. Okay? Because the truth is, you're going to walk into some really bad atmospheres. Okay? And what you're supposed to do is carry this atmosphere in you to those bad atmospheres and better release it there because you can't expect the atmosphere of heaven to drop down on you there. You've got to release the atmosphere of heaven. And that's why the anointing is so critical. This inner anointing is critical for us. A lot of Christians, okay, let me just say this, a lot of believers, the, the Holy Spirit will start moving somewhere and they'll get caught up in the move of the Spirit. But the moment that outward movement withdraws a little bit, what happens to those Christians? It's not a good thing. See, when, it, when you don't sense the outward move of the Spirit, tap into the inward move of the Spirit. That's where, where God really wants to take people. We don't want to be dependent on everything out here and everybody else all the time. I don't anyway. I want my own deal. You know, if the Lord ain't moving somewhere... You know, Smith Wigglesworth was a powerful man. This is one thing he said that I, I've always tried to tumble around in my little mind is... If the Lord doesn't move me, I move the Lord. Now, what he was talking about was that inner anointing. If I don't feel the outward anointing coming on me, I'm going to move the Lord by, by releasing the inward anointing in me. Isn't that powerful? And so God wants to teach Christians to grow up into that. I think that's awesome. So the better you develop you become in recognizing the inward anointing, the greater your ability to carry the glory of God. In other words, the more you allow this inner anointing to work in you, the more the glory can rest on you. The presence resting on you and you're carrying something. Okay? Because this inward thing is telling you something all the time and you're listening to what it tells you because it doesn't lie. It tells the truth all the time. 
doesn't trick you. And so if you want to be a people of glory, how many people want to be a people of glory? I mean, where the, that's the manifest presence of the Lord resting on you. Where you walk into a place and people look at you and see something on you. They may not know what it is, but they know it's something that's not normal. And they're attracted to you. Okay? Because the glory of God's resting on you. That can happen. And it happens by us developing, allowing this inner anointing to be the thing that really develops inside of us. I think that's awesome. Okay, now, anyway, so um, I have really wanted to understand the anointing, okay, on this inner anointing and how it works and how to, 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 to tap into it, okay? Because I want the glory of God resting on me. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the truth. I want God on me. I want, I want the visible presence of God on me. I want the love of God exuding from me. When I open my mouth, I want the Word of God coming out of my mouth. You know, I don't want death coming out of my mouth. I want God's words coming out of my mouth. You know, and so I, I want to know about this anointing within me, how to tap into it, how to activate it, how to cause it to flow. And I believe the Bible is, gives us some understanding about this. Okay, that's, that's what I really wanted to tell you is, is what I've seen. Oh, yes, Lord. Now I'm already tired. <laughs> I wanted to read Romans 12, 1 through 2. This is a, you know, a pretty normal scripture, right? Uh, you know, that's a normal scripture, whatever that is. It's a scripture I read all the time, actually. That's why it's so normal. Okay? Let me just tell you one thing, you know, besides the point here, is there, we're in a time right now where... God is releasing revelations. He's releasing revelations. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talked about the abundance of revelation. And yeah, that's why he got in trouble so much was because of the abundance of revelation. Well, I was looking at that word abundance. You wouldn't believe what that word means. That meant Paul was walking in almost continual revelation. That's what it means. It means he had so much revelation going, it was, it was remarkable. And you see, to me, it's like, wow, that is within reach for us. That we are walking in continual revelation. That God is revealing things to us constantly. Now, there's trouble that comes with it. You know, that thorn in the flesh Paul had was all that persecuting and beat down that people were giving him. You know, I mean, he was going through some stuff because people hated him. The devil hates revelation because revelation will destroy the works of the devil in a heartbeat. And so, yeah, but so I'm telling you, God is in, in, the, in the revelation mode. Paul said, I'll go on to dreams, visions, revelation of the Lord. That is not some spooky, off-brand, fringe Christianity. That's normal Christianity. And for us to have anything less says we are living less than what the New Testament says. And to me, that can't be my life. We have to be people that says, I'm not going to accept less. If, if there's something more that I can walk in, I want to walk in it. Yeah. I want to find out how to walk in it. So I think this inner anointing will help you and I get into this. Now, I want to tell you this one thing. It can be scary. Not only have, you know, the, the difficulties, but it can be scary revelations. They can be scary. That's all I can say. You know, they can be scary. If the Lord reveals something to you from the spiritual realm, it can be scary. You know, 
and you had to decide up front, well, Lord, I'm scared, but I still want to do it. That's what I've told the Lord. That scares me, Lord. I'm scared about this. I'm scared of that, but I still want it. So go ahead. And I'm telling him that now when I ain't having it. I'm telling him that when everything's, I'm in the normal world. I'm just going to him making it clear up no matter what I say then, if I beg you to get me out, if I, no matter what I say, don't listen to a word I say. Just drag me in there and let, the, let me be scared to death for a while. You know, because it'll be worth it. Amen? You know, because it may be scared, but it's awesome because God the Father is love. Amen? He's just awesome, though, at the same time. Well, I'm excited about that. All right, let me just tell you this scripture. Let me read it to you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe this verse here kind of reveals like a a sequence of events, a a chain reaction, if you will, of of seeing the inner anointing released into your life. Okay? Because I believe first the anointing within flows from our spirit, and the first place it's going is into our minds. Okay, now this is really important. You get your mind's here, where he's talking about here is your, your whole mind, your entire mind, your, and your mind is ma- basically made up of, of logic and reason, okay? Imagination, which is seeing and emotions, okay? And so that's the first place the anointing has to work in your life because the mind is the doorway. Nothing spiritual in your life's going to really happen without this door being open. Do y'all get that? Your mind is the doorway. That's why Jesus said, the first thing Jesus said when he started preaching was, was repent, which means change the way you think, and you'll see the kingdom. Yeah. In other words, he was saying, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to open the door of your thinking if you're going to, you, if you're going to tap into the kingdom of God. All right? He said that the anointing, first of all, begins to work on our minds. So what we have to do, here's what I've learned. This is what I'm learning. To, to really tap into this one, first thing you got to do is you got to present your body to the Lord. Okay, it's, it's mercy. Present your body. Okay, your body. Once you present your body, the anointing will begin to work in your mind. Okay, it will begin to flow into your reasoning. It will begin to flow into your your seeing part. It'll begin to flow into your emotions. How many people know ever heard the term emotional uh, quota? All right. Intelligence quota, IQ, emotional quota. There's a thing called emotional intelligence. Have you ever heard that? A lot of people don't have good emotional intelligence. That's the truth. Just like some people are not really real brilliant people, intelligent, you know, from an intellect perspective. There's this thing called emotional intelligence. And you see, your emotions are a big part of your spiritual life because every thought you have there's an emotion connected to your thought. Every thought. There's not one thought that you have. Not one. There's not one thought. The emotions are all over the Bible. They're, it may not call them emotions. Lost, many times it calls them th- thoughts. And, and so you see, y'all just sort of are looking at me blankly. <laughs> processing. This is really processing. Okay. That's good enough. Yeah. You know, uh, in Re- uh, Revelations 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
That door was your mind. That door is your mind. Because that mind, if that mind is open, the Lord can begin to work in the rest of your life. He can get into your heart. But if your mind is closed, then Jesus can't do nothing but stand out there. That's the truth. If you want spiritual activity in your life, it's starting in the way you think. And so what we need is we need the anointing. Nobody has ever asked me this question. And I've taught about the mind a few times at the adventure school and other places. And no one has ever asked me this one vital question. And this is it. How in the world am I going to change the way I think? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? And I've been telling them, you just change the way you think. Well, how am I going to do that? That was my question. Lord, you said repent, which means change the way you think, and you'll see the kingdom. How am I going to change the way I think? I can't change the way I think. I've tried to change the way I think. I might change for a minute, you know, but then five minutes later I'm back to thinking the way I always did. Okay, here's the way you change the way you think. It's the anointing. See, the Lord's not going to ask you to do something. That you, that, you know, He's asking you to do the impossible. All you had to do is be, be agreeable to it, to say yes to it, to open your mind. And when you do that, the anointing will begin to work in your mind and it will actually change your thinking. And then you'll begin to have this spiritual activity begin to take place in your life. Amen? So when you need to know God's will on something or you need to know the next thing to do, because it says that, Becky said get in the river. When you get in the river, things shift. The river is the easy answer, Right? Well, I'm just telling you this. this is, I figured all this stuff out in the river. When I got in the river, I wanted to know, what is this river doing to me? Because it's doing something to me. Okay? The Holy Spirit River was doing something. And I wanted to understand what it was doing. Because I know there's a bunch of people out there. You can't get them into the river, so you throw the river on them. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm taking a little bit of the river that I got, and I'm throwing it on you and hoping that it will take in you. That's the truth. And then maybe one day when everybody's looking, we'll just drag you into it and throw you into it. You may be mad at, for a moment, but once you get in there, you think, oh, yeah, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all have got me so distracted. <laughs> All right, so when you want to know the will of God in your life, present yourself to Him, present your body to Him, and allow this supernatural thing called the anointing to begin to work. What it'll do, it'll begin to work on your thinking. It'll begin to work on your imagination. Okay, and it begin to release the mind of Christ into you. Because that's what a renewed mind is. It's His mind working in you. And you'll begin to get things from God about your life or about your situation you're needing to know. That's how it really works. It's really simple. It's really allowing this thing to, fl- to flow into you. Okay? So I think one of the things that, that really struck me about this verse was uh, it says... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You know, it's the blood of Jesus, right, that makes us holy. It's the Father's love that makes us know we're acceptable. So this anointing rests on the the blood. It rests on the Father's love. That's what it rests on in your life. When you know that, when you have that operating in your life, then that anointing can really flow and work because it's resting on something. It's not something you're doing. It's just giving yourself to it. 
Is, are, is this making sense? So, I love the, this is my paraphrase of be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says, I, my, my paraphrase is be transformed by an action of the supernatural, the anointing upon your mind. That's how you're going to change. There's the action of a supernatural, the anointing coming into your mind is what's going to ultimately tra- change your life. It's going to transform you. Okay, so, so the, I said a lot there. I hope I didn't mess you up. But the anointing first comes into your mind, and then from there it flows into your body. Now, this is important, okay? From the mind, the anointing flows. It flows from your spirit into your mind. Then from your mind, it flows into your body. Uh, that's why it says present your body to the Lord. Now let me read 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. I hope you all getting something out of this. I, I hope you'll begin to practice this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Does everybody know that? So stop making decisions about your life apart from the Holy Spirit. Okay, don't make any decisions without his involvement. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so our body's a temple. We're supposed to glorify God in our body. And the way we glorify God in our body, our physical body, is by doing what God wants us to do, doing his will. Okay? That's how we glorify God, is doing God's will. That's how our body glorifies God. It can't, there's nothing else it can do to glorify God. And the anointing is what enables your body to be able to do what God asks you to do. There's no such thing as an anointing without some action taking place. Okay? A person who has the inner anointing flow, they're going to do something. Something's going to happen. They're going to do the will of God. Because the anointing creates the power to do this. Let me read uh, Matthew twenty six forty one. It says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing. Everybody in this room has a, a, a willing spirit, but not all of us have a flesh, a body that's willing to do it. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. That's what Jesus said. That's what he was saying to his disciples. Your spirit's willing to do what is necessary, but your flesh is just too weak to do it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel like God wants you to do something, but your flesh doesn't want to do it. Your flesh hates it. Okay? I don't know about you, but my flesh hates things that God loves. Okay? And so, Romans 8, 11, this is what it says. But the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If the Spirit dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also do what? Give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit that dwells in you. The flesh apart from the Holy Spirit enabling it and quickening it. Are you all getting this? So your mind's the gate. It lets... It lets this anointing begin to flow into your body, this quickening power of God in you to begin to get up and do the thing you feel like God's calling you to do and obeying God in the areas of your life where you don't feel like you can't obey Him. A lot of people are trying to overcome things or do things in their life apart from the anointing flowing in their life. And you can't do it because Jesus says your flesh is weak. But I've given you the spirit that will quicken this flesh, make this flesh alive to be able to walk in the spirit, to be able to do the things I've asked you to do. So if you want to know how to do the works of God, is 
allow the anointing to flow first into your mind, then down into your body, and your body will be quickened, it'll be made alive, and you'll begin to do. Because there's no such thing as an anointing without some doing going with it. And that's really the truth if you look in the Bible. Are y'all good? All right. This is going good. I'm fixing to get done here. Okay. The anointing then flows. This is where it really gets interesting. From our body to our mouth. Okay. Now, this is, this is vital. This is the area of speech. How many people would like to have some anointing on their area of speech? You know? Because what? We are speaking creatures. We're the only... We're the only creatures that God created that He gave a, a mouth that could actually communicate intelligently with. Because God has a mouth that He communicates with. And God created us in His image. He created us with a mouth to be able to say things. And everything that God has ever accomplished happened because God said it. And anything in our Christian life that's going to really happen, it's going to have to come through your mouth. Your mouth is going to either shut your life down or it's going to release God. Now, that's really the truth. Your mouth is, is the thing that's, you know, as, as James says, it's the rudder on your ship. It's guiding your life. It's guiding you either down the tubes or it's guiding you into the kingdom. So what you say is very key. That's why the anointing has to work on your body before it works into your, into your mouth because it's got to get a hold of your heart. It's got to work on your heart. It's got to get from your mind to your heart and begin to work on your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you have this mouth that you're saying things and, and nothing's going to happen in the kingdom of God without you saying something. And that's really the truth. And really, you know, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Everybody, everybody who speaks, we all speak spirit. It may not be the Holy Spirit, though. It might be a mad spirit. Not everybody speaks life, though. And see, that's what God wants to do, is He wants to, to with the anointing, because the anointing, to be effective, it's got to be verbalized. And it's verbalized with our mouth. This is really vital. You can't just go and say stuff and think it's going to happen. It's got to, you, when you say something from the anointing, then it's going to happen. And so that's why I say you've you got to get this mind thing. You've got to let this, you've got to open your mind and let the Spirit of God begin to work through your mind. Okay? And then from there, it's going to work into your body. And then from, from your body, it's going to work through your tongue. I want to give you a couple of verses. Oh, I wanted to say this to you about the mouth is when you, when you start doing that, when you really start speaking with the anointing with your mouth, that's when you're going to really get in trouble with the devil because the devil really hates this. This is where the anti-anointing really comes in because it says in Thessalonians that the devil will actually be destroyed by, the, by God's breath, by God's mouth. Okay, so the devil is very, he'll let you and I holler and hoop and carry on all day long. Now, I, I love hollering and hooping. Okay, I'm just, a, I can holler and hoop with anybody these days. And we can do that all day long, but I tell you what, he, and the devil will let you do that. Okay, but when you start speaking anointed words, that's when he's going to, his attention is going to be perked up. 
Because when you begin to speak the word of the Lord through your mouth, that's when things are really going to start happening. You see what I'm saying? That's why Paul got in so much trouble with people and people hated him and tried to kill him so much is because he was saying stuff and it was and it was wrecking havoc on the kingdom of darkness. That's exciting, isn't it? Uh, listen to this. I love this verse here. It's Job 6.25. gave you a couple of unusual ones. How forceful are right words or how forceful are anointed words. But what does your arguing prove? Isn't that powerful? It's like a, it's like a comparison. And so that's what a, a right word is an anointed word, how forceful it is. And see, God wants to make our mouths forceful. It's when we speak, it is a force of the Holy Spirit arm that really does something. I'm talking about the inner anointing that's inside of you. I'm not talking about just some ministry. I'm talking about the inner anointing coming up out of you through your mouth. That's how, that's, how this mouth thing really works. I'm convinced. Um, let me read Proverbs 16:24. Uh, this is another unusual one. It says, Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words, anointed words, bring healing they bring sweetness to a person's life. You know, gossip, criticism, slander, all that stuff that people do, Christians do, it really works against you. You know, it's, it's destructive. It's destroying your life. It's, it's, bringing, it's bringing bitterness. It's bringing unhealthiness to you. I'm convinced there's people who have health problems because of their words, stuff they're saying out of their mouth. Are they still processing, Matthew? <laughs> and so, from your mouth, the anointing can be released into the world. So that's the, fourth, the last place that I saw how, and that's where, it, that's how this anointing within you gets out. It gets out through your mouth into the world around you. When you can begin to speak. Speak life to people. Speak this sweetness to people. Sweet, speak this healing and health to people. You know, we need to really, I'm Lord, you know, in that scripture in Isaiah 11 that we talked about so much about the seven spirits of God, if you go down on and read down below it, it talks about the Lord's voice, His words, what His words are going to do in the earth. And see, that's really what the Lord wants to do. But see, we're the words. He wants to use our mouths to, to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. And so we have to become people who really are about the atmosphere of heaven around us and enjoying that atmosphere. But we can't just be that. We've we got to be people that carry this atmosphere in us and learn how to cooperate with the atmosphere in us and release the atmosphere. We had to grow up and, and become something beyond what we were. Where we can begin to, and when we walk into a situation, we can release something out of us that's going to have an effect in a positive way on people around us. And that's, it's powerful. Let's, let me, I want to pray for you about this. And then I was going to ask Donna Culler to come out here and share a really powerful testimony that, I think can really speak to some people's hearts today. Amen? So let me just pray. Father, thank you today for the anointing.
and we're we want to we you've already anointed us the Lord's already anointed everybody in this room everybody in this room you have an anointing abiding in you we had to be renewed in the anointing but it's not necessarily a new anointing it's it's the anointing we are carrying that we are renewed in that thing and it begins to be activated in our lives so Lord I pray that for people in this room I pray for an activation of the anointing within Lord I pray for minds today I pray Lord all these minds these emotions Lord these, these intellects that you've given us I pray for them. I pray for people's ability to see things. I pray you would just, I pray the anointing would get into these minds. Begin to set these minds in order. Some, here's the truth. I want to say that some of your minds are out of order. In other words, your mind is the leader. Now you need to get your mind out of the leadership spot in your life. You need to submit your mind today and say, Lord, I submit my mind to the Holy Spirit. Just tell them that. I submit my mind to the Holy Spirit. My mind's not in control. Just say, Lord, my mind is no longer in control. I'm not going to be ruled by my mind. I'm not going to be ruled by what I hear people say. I'm not going to be ruled by what I see with my eyes. I'm going to be ruled by something inside of me. Now, when we begin to allow that to happen in our life, that's the anointing coming into your mind. That's how it works. Jesus, it says about Jesus, He did not judge by the sight of His eyes, nor by the hearing of His ears. That's what it said. And the Father wants to give you eyes to see, and ears to hear, and a heart to understand. It's His ears, it's His eyes that He wants to release to you. And when you can begin to look at life, and hear life, and understand life the way Jesus would, or the way Jesus does. That's the mind of Christ working in you. And so you have to be the one. That's opening the door. That's your mind opening the door right there. Let Lord open my door for that. Which means I shut my door to being ruled by the natural. I shut my door to be ruled by my natural thoughts. My intellect. What I'm seeing. What I'm hearing. I shut the door to that Lord. And I'm allowing you to bring, bring your rulership. Lord, I pray that for everybody in this room. Now, I want people in here to repent of gossip. If you're a gossiper, you need to stand up. You don't have to physically stand up. Stand up in your heart and say, Lord, I've been gossiping. And I'm sorry. I'm stopping it. If you're a critical person, you've been criticizing people, criticizing other churches, criticizing your boss, criticizing this church, if you've been doing that, you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. You do not. We do not want to partake of the enemy's ministry of accusation and criticism. We do not want to. That's what he does. And when you do that, that's what you do. Now, if you have a legitimate problem, the Bible tells us how to handle legitimate problems. And you go to the people. You go to the person and have a conversation with them about it. Right? That's, that's what the Bible teaches us. But being critical and, and accusing really will get you in trouble with the Lord because you're breaking the Word. Yeah, yeah, it ruined the anointing. That's right. It'll, it's, that's the anti-anointing. So, you know, I want to encourage you about that, about the critical thing. And just um, tell the Lord you're sorry. Everybody's guilty of it. I don't think there's a person in this room who hadn't found fault with something, somebody. 
you know, I don't like that ministry because they seem legalistic to me. Well, okay, but, you know, just pray for them. Lord, help them, right? Help them, Lord. So let's do that just for a minute. I'm going to give you a chance to repent to the Lord, you know, to talk to Jesus about your thing. Just ask Him to help you with it. The anointing is what destroys these strongholds of thinking in us. It destroy a critical thing, a stronghold, or an accusing stronghold. You know, one of the great things about people who are very sensitive spiritually is they feel things, see things, and they can tend to be critical about what they're picking up. Don't, don't, don't do that. Thank you, Lord. God really wants every person in this room, He wants His glory to rest on you. He wants you to be a carrier of glory. Father, thank you today for the mind of Christ. That you says we have the mind of Christ, Lord. Lord, we, we want to manifest that mind in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Donna has an awesome testimony. She was sharing it with me on the phone the other day. And I want her to share it with you because I think it's, I think it's a vital kind of testimony. Uh, not only specifically what she's talking about, for one, but one of the ways that God works in people's lives. So, thank you. Woo! I'm not much of a speaker, so this is difficult for me to stand in front of people. But we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I just told the Lord, I'm willing. You know, I'm willing because I feel like the Lord really wants to release something. To the body, I feel like what he's done with me, he's doing it all over the earth. You know, I feel like this is something that the Lord is, is sending down for all of us. And so I want to give you just a little bit of history so you'll really understand and the impact of what the Lord's done in my life. And that is when I was 21 years old, I uh, had an abortion. And, um, I, you know, I was in the drug world and I was just you know, living for hell, and and I and abortion had become legal, and I got pregnant, and I felt like that was my what I needed to do, and so I went in, and and they talked to me, and I believed that if I had this certain window of opportunity, that I could have this abortion, it wouldn't be like it was a baby. It was, you know, I just was deceived. So I went and I had this abortion, and the minute I woke up from that procedure. I knew what had happened. I knew exactly the gravity of what had happened and what I had done to my baby. And then, and then I didn't realize, but it was the only baby I would ever have. And that's, you know, what I had done. So the guilt and shame that came with that uh, took me, take, you know, let's go a year further. I tried to take my life because I was just didn't feel like I could ever have a normal life again because of what I'd done. And so I tried to take my life, and I took this overdose of pills, and I was talking to my mom on the phone because I wanted her to know how much I loved her, and I passed out on the phone on these drugs, and my mother had to then drive five hours not knowing if I was going to live or die. I had a 50-50 chance to live, and we see that, and I made it. <laughs> so, so don't worry. I made it. And I woke up in that room, and, the, and, and my mama put her hands on my face. And she said, Donna, 
the Lord has a destiny and a purpose for your life. And that's why he saved you. Because you have a calling on your life. And you need to spend the rest of your life finding out what that is. You know, that is, and I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord was up in that room. My daddy's a truck driver, and he was brushing out my long hair. You know, this big old guy, you know. He didn't normally do that, let's say that. (laughs) So anyways, fast forward, I get saved when I'm 24 years old. And, you know, somebody at the chapel, we would sit around in groups and And there would just be deliverance through our conversations. The conversation would just come up about abortion. And and I really knew then that the Lord had forgiven me for it. But for some reason, I just couldn't forgive myself. I just, that guilt and shame of, you know, I couldn't think about it. I couldn't think about a baby in heaven. I I couldn't think that, you know, I just thought that was my cross to bear. But I went on with my life, but it was the... It was the place, you know, um, Michelle was talking about don't buy real estate there. Well, I built the Empire State Building in there, okay, <laughs> of shame and guilt there, just taking that on myself. And, and uh, so, so where am I? So I got saved. And, and anyway, so I, I went on with that shame and guilt, didn't even know. I mean, I just thought that was, you know, what I needed to do. And I was okay and everything, but that's what I was going to have to do. Well, let's fast forward to the women's retreat. And Becky and I are riding up the hill to go to the mountain. And we're talking about Becky's grandchildren, how she has five in heaven and she has five on earth. And, you know, I told her, you know, well, I don't have children. That's one thing I well, she said, well, Donna, you know, you do have a child in heaven. And it was like, oh, God, no, she didn't. I can't believe she's even saying that to me. I mean, like, I don't have the right to have that thought. You know, that's just this condemnation I felt. But I didn't say that in the car. But, but we just went on up the hill. And Becky starts preaching I'm going to tell you what that girl had some fire on her up there and she was talking about the seven years that we'd been through since the Lord had really touched us back then and she got to the part about how you know we had lost some people early she said but you know when they die they didn't die they went from life to life and they went on to fulfill their destiny and nothing was taken from them and I realized death has no sting That's what that means, life to life. You know, death has no sting. So, you know, she's preaching this, and then Maya jumps up, and she has this word of knowledge. And she says, Becky, somebody here has had an abortion, and they've been living under guilt and shame, and the Lord wants to set them free today. (laughs) Woo! Come on, y'all. The Lord heard my conversation with Becky on the way up and said, No, that's enough. It's enough of that. That's not true. And I feel like God wants to release his heavenly perspective to us, that we don't see things the way he does. But, you know, that's what I deserved. But it was a divine exchange that happened. My filthy rags for his righteousness. That's what it is. My filthy rags for his righteousness. 
And that when that came to me and they said, here she is, she's had that abortion, Jesus said, not guilty, not guilty, because he paid the price. He paid the price with that blood. It was enough. So you'd think that was enough, right? But we go on and we hear what Michelle says about guilt and shame. And then fast forward, and a friend of mine who uh, goes to Robin McMillan's church, she knows everything that's been going on with me. And she said, Donna, Robin was at church today, and he shared this vision he had. And he was sort of nervous about sharing it, cause, but he said, I'm just going to say it. He said, I saw the abortion room in heaven. And he said, it was full of people all different ages, which verifies what Becky's saying about they they didn't die then they went on to live their whole destiny in glory you know and so here is this room in heaven this abortion room and it went on beyond abortion it was even people whose lives had been cut short with murder and they were holding these signs up and it had the names of the people who had aborted them and they were praying and weeping over them loving them now, that's, is that a revelation? Come on, y'all. That's the love of Christ that will change the world. You know, that is beyond belief. That is not our way of thinking because his ways are higher than our ways. You know, I mean, his ways are past finding out. And so, you know, I was telling Byron that I, I had this vision of God coming to me with these, I don't know, I don't know what they're called, but the big handles and they cut locks off. And he was cutting this chain of guilt off of me. And he cut this chain of, you know, all he had done for me, he started cutting these chains of shame off of me. And I I'm just felt like I was going to float because, I mean, you just don't know. I'm going to tell you right now, when you take off the glasses of guilt and shame that you're looking through, the world is a different place, y'all. It looks different. It's not the same when you're not looking through all that mess, when you're seeing things with a heavenly perspective. And I know that God wants to release that on all of us. I know that this is what he's doing in the earth because this is what the world needs. When they see that kind of love, they're going to be breaking the doors down to get in and say, what must I do to be saved? You know, because that's the revelation that we need. So I wanted to speak this song. I used to sing this song, um, and I can't, I'm not going to even think about singing it, but I'm going to say it over you. And I just want you to... Well, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. So back down. Okay. Okay. But I want you to shut your eyes. And I really want you to receive from the Lord. Okay. (laughs) The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. (laughs) Okay. Are y'all ready for this? Thank you, Lord. If any man be in Christ, then he has become a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Through the blood of Jesus, 
His righteousness, it's like a robe upon you. Clothing and covering, his garment of praise will now adorn you. And listen to this, y'all. This is my favorite part. You'll live and reign forever as kings and priests and sons. He'll call his own. His blood is flowing in you now. Royalty has finally found a home in you. And I just release that from heaven over you now. That if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. Today is your day to come into the kingdom. He's welcoming you now. And there's no pit. If you make your bed in hell, he is there with you. He's coming there to bring you out, and he'll leave the 99 to go get that one. And so I just release heaven over you today. Lord, I just ask you to just come, Lord, and fill us up and break every yoke. Lord, every, turn over every stone that would keep us from you and let us see with a heavenly perspective. One thing Donna told me is she didn't, well, she, she didn't have a vision to live, right? She said, I didn't have a vision to live. Oh, let me say that. This, this was really, really important. You know, I had been living, like I had been preparing to die. I turned 60, and I just thought, okay, well, it's kind of over, and I was just preparing to die. And I just felt like these ailments of being overweight and, you know, just the blood pressure and all that stuff that's coming, I just felt like I can't, I can't do anything about it, like what Byron was saying. You know, but when that guilt and shame came off of me, you know, when I, when I let that into my life, it doesn't just come with that. It brings addiction. It brings insecurity. It brings every sort of fear in. And when the Lord broke that off, all of a sudden I realized I was making good choices. I was starting to lose weight. And I know you don't know this and you can't see this, but I'm not the same. On the inside, I'm skinny and I'm healthy. And a year from now, you won't recognize me because I'm, I'm changed. I'm not the same person that I was. I'm changed. So, and I want to tell y'all this one other thing. This other friend of mine had this dream, and she was in heaven. I want you to get this, the impact of this. She was in heaven, walking through heaven, and an angel was showing her around. And the angel was showing her what he had I mean, what was in store for her and her husband. But she had this memory of something that had happened in their marriage that she felt disqualified them. And the angel, so she was asking the angel about it, and the angel just looked at her like, what are you talking about? He had no idea what she was even talking about because it had been covered under the blood, and she realized then that what's been covered under the blood is not even remembered in heaven again. That's another thing. We can't get our mind around that. But they don't even have a memory of it. So, I think that's all. So, a vision to live. Amen? A vision to live. I think that's what the Lord wants to give people today. And He wants to get you out of where you've been. And He'll... 
heal you, heal your life. And because that's what Donna's talking about, her life being healed. And isn't it amazing, a person can walk with the Lord for 40 years carrying something deep down inside of them that they may not be regularly conscious of, but suddenly, just through a conversation, the Lord brings it out. And then through a word of knowledge, the Lord delivers a person from something that has... Yeah, and that is a turn. And I believe God wants to do that for everybody. There's not a person in this room that God does not want to do something for you. Whether you're conscious of it or not, there's things in us that we carry that are affecting us, and God wants to break them things out of us and free us and give us the life that He promised. And So I want to invite people. God is a God of wholeness. He really is a God of wholeness. And I want to invite the ministry team to come up here. And Don, I want you to stay. And, and we want to pray for people that the Lord, that you would have that encounter with the Lord. And if you've got guilt and shame working in your life today about something you've done, or haven't done even, it's time to be done with it, right? And God, today is a day of freedom for you, to get, get that yoke off on you so you can go on with your life. Amen? So anyone who would, do we have the ministry team up here? Okay, I would like to invite you guys to come up now, and Lord bless all of you, and thank you for coming. Donna, thank you for sharing that real personal testimony. I just really feel like if you're dealing with, I know Byron just said it, but I want to reiterate it. This um, shame and guilt is it's the word of the Lord today because it's really hindering us walking in anointing, and the anointing's here to break it. So just, I, you may have just found yourself here this morning and knew, I don't, I don't care who you are, but I really want you to respond to the Lord this morning. Just, just take the chance. Whoever you are, take the chance and respond to the Lord. He's here to meet you. And then you can be dismissed if you don't feel any of this is, you're just, there's freedom in this place. So we're going to continue ministering. But if you want to be dismissed, that's really good too. And just be blessed. Amen.